You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with Cyril Prabhu from Proverbs 226. Now, right now, we are filled with the spirit of the season, or as a lot of people like to say, the reason for the season, but the reason goes beyond the season. And our next guest on the Brand Builders podcast is living that every day with his nonprofit for children with incarcerated parents. Now, Cyril started Proverbs 22.6, I'm sorry, 22.6, because he saw that prison uh, was breaking families, not just breaking them up, but breaking them. And that children of incarcerated parents had a more than 80% chance of someday being incarcerated themselves. That stat is shocking. Um, and that really was something that needed to be broken up. Like the cycle needed to be break, broken. And this is where uh, Cyril comes in and has created this organization. That's what he set out to do. Uh, his story is incredible. I can't wait to hear it. And I want to hear more about not only the st- statistics that I just said, but how Cyril and his group are helping these these kids, helping these families. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. This is going to be an episode that I think is going to be super powerful and one that uh, I can't wait to hear. So thank you for thank joining you us. Thank you so much for inviting me Absolutely. to be here today. Cyril, great to see you, man. Thank, thank you. you. As Brian mentioned, we think your story is incredible. Uh, you grew up in India in poverty with a single mother. Right. Um, and you relied on a number of father figures, right? I, tell us what your life was like growing up and kind of, you know, where you are now. Definitely. Uh, have you heard of an organization like... Uh, um, you know, the Compassion International or, you know, World Vision. Mm-hmm. These are organizations that take like a $30, $35 and send them all the way to third world countries like uh, China, Japan, India, and so on. I was the kid on the other end. Somebody named Annie and Graham from North Wales, Australia, took a $30, $35, sent them all the way to India. So one day I can become a senior vice president at Bank of America. So my That's journey has, wow. you know, yeah. has gone through all that journey um, was to see how God's hand was in my life throughout and in tailoring my life, uh, getting the, uh, today, you know, my day job is like a data mining and uh, working with the Bank of America kind of uh, companies to solve problems. But uh, the beginning wasn't the same way. Yeah. So tell us about that beginning. You there there are a lot of commercials like that. You Absolutely. know, that, and and I think, you know, I'm just going to put it this way. If you live in America right now, you have it way better than anybody else. And Absolutely. we we live in a society that wants to complain about what we don't have right. rather than be blessed about what we do have. Right. And for you, you were that kid on the other end, right? $35, people can spend that in a Chick-fil-A drive-through right now. Um, instead that $35 saved your life or put, gave you a path to succeed, at least from the beginning. What was that like to be not only in India, but to receive a package like that? Because I just think we, we've we lost connection of how lucky we are to be Americans and right. how blessed we are to have running water and Wi-Fi and all these things that we just take for granted. Correct. It just pisses me off, honestly. <laughs> it's like I'm, I try to tell myself every day how blessed and lucky I am. 
I just feel like our country, have, we've completely forgotten. Correct. I, I believe that, uh, you know, um, growing up in India, it's not like, a, you know, the slum, dunk, slum dog millionaire kind yeah. of life. You know, I just like, a, you know, had that kind of like a bad life. But at the same time, it wasn't easy. Um, but, at this, um, you know, my journey has always been like, a, you know, uh, if I have a rope to hold on to, I'm going to hold on to it until, you know, somebody has to peel that out of my hands, right? And um, one of the things that, uh, you know, when I grew up, um, the divorce rate in India is not as big as uh, America was. In fact, in the 70s, it was less than 2% of people that were divorced. But here, my mom was abandoned in a big city called Chennai, right? It's a cosmopolitan city. And she's not even educated or to, you know, even today, she cannot even speak a a whole sentence, you know, coherently. But the thing is that God had a plan in my life, giving me a hope uh, through someone that is as far as Australia to send that money to me. Right. And so uh, growing up, like what you said here, people are complaining. They're poor. They're, when you talk about like uh, someone being poor in this country, is not able to pay the mortgage bills. You know, over there, your food. You know, you're fighting for clothes. You're fighting for education, and you have to fight all of it. So tell us that story. How you you got to America? Mm-hmm. You know, what what was that like? How did you find out? How old were you? I'd love to hear what that journey was. Absolutely. So um, I came here. Uh, I mean, my journey was like uh, um, lots of ups and downs. Um, you know, growing up in India, even though I had like all these um, you know uh, financial struggles and everything, uh, I was like every other kid. You know, making mistakes, right? And so. Um, the the first costly mistake that I made was in the tenth grade in India. If you're um, failing in tenth grade, that means like you're pretty much done because you cannot get into college. You cannot uh, choose your subjects, and I failed in science, right? And um, when that was the first wake up call, and I, and I say this because you know a lot of times people think like when they fall down one time, that's the end of it. Marriage is broken. My kids. Uh, ran away, my, my husband's in drugs. I mean, people think that that's the end of it, right? That was almost like the same state for me. But when I realized what I did was a costly mistake, I told myself I cannot fail in this area. So I went back and uh, instead of just to taking that one exam that could have gotten me through the science, I took all five uh, the next time. And I got like a 494 out of 500. Whoa. And then I took a science as my major because I don't want to be called a failure in an area, you know, that desperately. And I took computer science as my major. Wow. Um, and that led me to come to work for a company called Bank of America in 1993. Wow. And you said you're still with <laughs> them un- today? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> wow. Know? Man. I mean, okay, so, so you were about to fail so, out in science, and then you you doubled down on it. Yeah. You invested in yourself, and you said, I'm going to learn this, and then you majored in it. Yes. <laughs> right. that is a, Buddy, that is, that is I, awesome. I'm going to run through a wall yeah. right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> so 93, right? Like, let's yeah. back up to 93, because that's that's sort of the beginning of, of when computers. computers I, I got my first email some, yes. sometime around, an AOL account, right? Correct. Like, Correct. So you've got have, mail. Have you been 
on the team and responsible for some of this online build out for Bank of America? Or is no, that a whole I've different? always said it's a different. Like uh, we have like a close to two hundred and eighty thousand people working for the bank, so you know, not one person right. can take a lot of credit for this. But I have been on the data front throughout my entire journey, so. If you take a look at a Bank of America as a whole, it's actually a collaboration of multiple banks. Like the card business is a bank on its own. Mortgage is a banking, and the you know, mm-hmm. the commercial is a banking on its own. Uh, Merrill Lynch is a bank on its own. And so behind the scenes, there's so much of data, and that's where um, I thrive gotcha. uh, uh, in bank. Um, but. Uh, one of the things that people always ask me, you know, if you had like a, so you had like a bad life and you didn't have a father um, and um, uh, growing up was tough, uh, you know, what is up with the prisons and how did you end up with the prisons, right? Uh, when I came into this country, my um, first hope was that this country is where milk and honey flows, right? And so um, <laughs> when you get on the plane, this was the first time I got on the plane to come out of the country, to come here. But uh, to my surprise, um, when I landed, I landed in California, San Leandro, California, right? So um, when any Indian comes into this country, we have to have a computer at home, you know? Uh, otherwise, we get like a nervous, just like a, a postman taking a walk after a day's work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here I am in San Leandro, and I'm uh, wanting to buy a computer. In those days, it used to be like a Fry's and CompUSA, mm-hmm. and those were the companies, right? And if you have to buy a computer, it's almost like a, you have to give your arms and legs to buy a computer. It's like a three to $4,000. So there was this company called Supercomputers in San Leandro, and they were assembling the computer. So I went to buy a computer and the guy said 1475. So I took a $15,100 bills, right? So I went there to give it to this guy and he said he didn't have a change for a $100 bill. He said like, who brings? Do you not have a, a credit card or a debit card? I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. no, no, we transact in cash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So the thing is, uh, he said he didn't have a chain, so I went down um, to the um, you know second. It was on the second floor. Went down on the street. I'm on the streets asking people, "Do you have a chain with a hundred dollar bill?" Right? And people were like, "Whoa, <laughs> why is this Asian guy running around with a hundred dollar bill? And where did he get the hundred dollar bill?" You know. But <laughs> and so you know, finally after 30, 45 minutes, I went back up with the change, but this time. The guy who took my fourteen hundred was missing from the counter. Oh no! And then there was like a three or four guys standing on the counter telling me to come on in. So I walk in, right? They close the shutters, and I hear this click, click, click sound, and they are all pulling their guns and they're saying, "Face down, face down! Don't look at us." Between the time I went to get the change and come back, that store was taken over by a bunch of people. I had no idea, and I walked into it, right? Mm. And so. First, in my mind, it's not striking that the guns can shoot, right? In my mind, uh, only Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the streets of San Francisco well, or, uh, you know, Rambo in the forest can shoot. Welcome you know? to America. <laughs> <laughs> so I pushed yeah. their guns and I'm looking for my $1,400. But these guys were very serious. So they pushed me on the floor, tied my hands to the back and tied my legs together, dragged me into this dark room. And I see the sales guy tied up just like me. <laughs> So it was just like a, a bad time to be on a bad place, right? That night, 
those guys stole about like a 1.5 million dollars worth of equipment from that store so it was like a big sketch i happened oh, wow. to be in that room but what happened is like right after this whole thing was over they shot a couple of times in the air just to scare you and then they left and so we got out of that whole thing like in the movies uh, you know tearing everything and then um you know policemen and uh, newspaper guys and everybody was asking yeah, and so I was t like uh, telling the story, just like, you know, now. But what I didn't realize wow. is the next day morning, I'm ready to go to work. There is this big news on Oakland Tribune that says, high-tech robbery, San Leandro. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm in the story, so let me read that story. Somewhere in the middle, it says, Cyril Prabhu, who lives in Union City, said he can identify these people. Oh. I have no idea that what I said the previous night, the only thing that was missing was some bold letters and my face. Right. Because the Union City is just like a four streets. And oh. to find another Indian guy in those days wasn't too hard. And so... You're like, this is not good. Right. I'm mean, going to get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like an E.T. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> but the thing is, God had a plan. And, uh, you know, for the first two, three months, I was running around scared. Everyone that looked on the street looked like the guys who put me through that night. Um, but somehow, God helped me to heal and forgive the guys who put me through that. And not only that, because of my data mining background, I started to mine on the lives of prisons and the prison systems in this country. That just like, uh, you know, alarmed me um, on like uh, how much uh, it's broken in this country. Uh, and first I thought this was an African-American problem because I see a lot of African-Americans in prison, the data was pointing to them. and. Uh, you know, the thing is, one out of three African-American men are in prison in large cities, mm -hmm. right? And the thing is that, uh, you know, uh, the African-American children that doesn't finish their high school, right, has over a 90% chance to end up in a prison jail or die before the age 30. If wow, they don't finish, right, wow. if they don't finish high school, their probability that stats are stacked against them. So this was like a big alarming factor. But then I see a huge number of Latinos in prison as well. And so I was trying to find a pattern matching between them and I found out eight out of 10 Latino moms in this country grew up, I mean, that, 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 that are married and have children are single moms mm -hmm. in this country. So the commonality is not someone being a black or you know Hispanic or a Latino. The commonality no is not having fathers at home. Yeah. If only we can bring the fathers back into the lives of these children, crime in this nation will come down. And the data, Amen. And the data points to that. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've always thought that. that yes. Yes. And so. That's um, interesting. It's I, true. I, look, I have two kids. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And me and my wife, like, like, I hope that I'm around for their entire life, right? Absolutely. And I was blessed to have parents that stayed together and they're still together. Right. But it's a it it's just a difference between a mom and a dad, Absolutely. Uh, and what they and what we bring to the table. Correct. Right. Like, and I, I I don't know I I don't know what my life would be like if I didn't grow up with a dad. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, that 25 million households in this country don't have fathers at home, yeah. right? And the fatherlessness has been, um, in fact, fatherlessness has been incentivized by this country. Mm -hmm 
for over 50 years, right? And so because of which, you know, we have a teen pregnancy at its peak. We have divorces at its peak. We have like, a, you know, depression. We have kids ending up in a prison. We have like so many problems, the behavioral issues, because the fathers are missing from homes in this country. Why? So why? With You've done a ton of studies on this. Right. I, I, it, it blows my mind, right? Like I understand that people go separate ways and gets divorces and things like that. I, there's nothing in this world that would take me away from wanting to be the father of my kids. Right. I just don't, how, how are there so many men in this country that can produce a child and not have the balls to take care of it? Like, I just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it, it, I, I can't even fathom it. Right. It's actually very systemic and there is some history behind this as well. Right. Um, and this is a little bit controversy, so I'm just going to still yeah, say uh, sure. as a black and white as possible. In the early, uh, in the mid 60s, you know, when we had the, you know, the Civil Rights Movement Act that was put in place by President Lyndon Johnson, there was a lot of things that were done right. Like, uh, you know, people can go to parks, people can go to, you know, um, schools and uh, theaters and uh, all these things, uh, you know, it was, it was all done right. But one thing that did not go right in that bill is that single moms without a you know, husband at home were given $24,000, which is equivalent to a $95,000 today. So we actually uh, gave some money at that time, which is not going to get them out of the situation, but will keep them in that situation for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And so over the period we have been incentivizing this uh, you know um thing through that act now you know for every african-american woman there is no equivalent number of african-american men in this country hmm. right in some cities it is like a 80 for every hundred women in some cities it's 70 for every hundred women S some cities like a ferguson it's 60 Wow. African-American men for every hundred African-American women. And so here, the men are missing. You're absolutely right because they are either in prison, you know, or separated over the years. In Atlanta, for every 17 women, there is only one African-American men. Wow. So we are already unequally proportional, is, is not matching. So... Um, right now, this is a mess. We need to bring fathers back in. Some of them are in prison, so we can bring them back into the lives of these children. And so this yeah. data is what led you to, you're the founder. Yes, sir. Creator, executive director of Proverbs 226, right? Yes, yes. Tell us, tell us what you're doing there, and uh, sure. I think we now know why right. you have created this. Yes. Um, so one of the biggest things that happens right now is that, uh, you know, when a, a husband uh, goes into prison or someone goes into prison, and if they have a sentence of over five years, the families abandon them. They don't want to go and deal with this person, right? And so um, the relationship between uh, the, the one serving time in the prison and uh, their children are separated um, larger in, in you know, uh, space. And so the first thing that we do uh, in Proverbs 2 to 6 is that we need to heal and rebuild that relationship with the father who is inside the prison. So we take the children into the prison. We allow the fathers to get on their knees 
and wash their children's feet and ask for forgiveness. This is something the fathers have to do. And this is very religious, you know, from the standpoint of like it's very connected to uh, faith and connected to what Jesus did on the, you know, night before he was crucified and everything. But there is something in that model that still works. When fathers get on their knees and wash their children's feet and ask for forgiveness, it does something not only to that child, but also to that father who's washing their feet. And I've studied this data before they wash their feet versus after they wash their feet, their grades get better. Wow. The kids stay back in school. The kids stop to, you know, uh, get pregnant and so on and so forth. And so one of the things that we said is that after this, this is all the fathers have to do. But after this, you know, we committed to these children to take them to college and pay for their scholarship. And, uh, you know, when we started in 2012, we couldn't find one kid that could go to college because eight out of 10 kids that has a father or mother in prison ends up in a prison themselves, right? So we couldn't find. But because these fathers were consistently, you know, helping their children to heal, the second year, we were able to send three kids to college, then eight kids to college, then 25. This year, we have 82 kids in college and in the next four years, we have 2,000 kids getting ready to go to college. And all of our kids have grades in, in the 12th grade, 4.6 to 5.8. All of our kids are doing a double or a triple major in biometrical engineering or computer science. What? And so this wow. is not uh, th- like what you said earlier that, you know, this these kids need a help to get out of their cycle. They don't need sympathy. They don't need free food. They need somebody to give them a a rope, the same rope somebody gave it to me that they need to hold on to. That's incredible. Wow, man. That is is extremely powerful. Yes. Extremely powerful. Now, do you have kids yourself? Yes, sir. I have two kids. How do you have time for them? <laughs> it's all about the I'm data, just bro. I'm, I'm, all, just all, all I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I bet they are great yes, kids. Yes, absolutely. Do they? How old are your kids? Um, 26 and 19. Oh. Yeah, so they've grown uh, yes. and, uh, and doing well. Awesome. But here's the fruit of my labor. When we started the journey uh, in 2012, we started in South Carolina because, uh, you know, Uh, The number one employer of South Carolina was Department of Corrections in 2012. And so that's the number we were going after. We wanted to dent that population, right? And so um, over this last eight, nine years, we have systemically helped this problem, you know, uh, by helping the fathers and helping these children. Today in South Carolina, from 26,000 inmates to 15,000 inmates, right? That... You know, the other states can claim that as well because it's COVID. We have sent the people out. But here's the number that nobody can claim. That is, there is a term called recidivism. If you get arrested one time, your chance of coming back into prison is about 70%, right? Because your families are not taking care of, you're not connected with your families. That's the bridge that we did in this whole equation, right? So... From being a number one employer in South Carolina today, South Carolina Department of Correction is the number one state in the country for the lowest recidivism. The fathers that are washing their children's feet are not coming back into prison. 
right? Wow. The fathers that help the kids to heal are healing themselves, right? And in North Carolina, went from 52,000 to 29,000. Let's ask, you know, that kind of a question to a state. How is your recidivism doing? If you don't heal and send these guys out, they're going to come back. Yeah. Do you do a lot of work with uh, with politicians in these states, or I to mean- some extent, yes, um, because you know there is a help that I do need. You know, sometimes when you go into a state like a South Carolina, you know, one of the biggest support for me was Senator Tim Scott. He, um, you know, testified uh, as part of the criminal justice reform what we do and uh, how succeeding we are because he came into the prison and he served one day uh, in helping as well wow. as he went back and testified to Congress about like uh, what we are doing. So there is some level of uh, politicians involved, you know, in yeah. making this happen. It absolutely needs to be on their radar. Yes. Uh, especially yeah. in a time where we're having all this just social just these issues right right, that that just keeps surfacing over and over and over again right um and what i'm hearing you say is the data clearly proves that this is part of the issue maybe maybe the leading part of the issue right so why not invest there so the biggest place that we need to invest is education you know we have our kids hearing um the rap singer singing i no need education kind of things that has to stop because education is a vital part. And that's why countries like India and China and other countries that are giving importance to education are faring well. While we were number two one time in math and science, we are now trailing in 28 and 29 in that space across the world, you know, uh, benchmark. That needs to change. The second thing is like a kids dropping out of school. One out of eight kids that goes to elementary school does not complete high school. And the dropout rate is about 6.6 million children. We have to stop these children from dropping out of school. We need to give them a tool to fight for. Yep. And that's what one of the major pieces of Proverbs 2 to 6 is doing. Uh, Very cool. We could talk about this for like seven (laughs) hours. I, you know, that dropout rate's incredible. 6.6 million. Yes. you know, I think I feel like in our society, there's a lot of of let's just say how it is that the media likes to portray a lot of these bad ideas as things that are uncurable. Yes. They love to talk about the story, but they don't want to talk about how we can fix it. Yes. They don't want to talk about, you know, bring on people like yourself and talk about how you're taking action to make right. these statistics change. They just want to throw these statistics out. Correct. And it's just incredible to me. I, I, I just... I, I don't know. It's crazy. It's, go ahead. Change the subject just for a second, but it ties back in. How do you feel about America? Oh, it is a great place. This is where the milk and honey flows, and I believe very strongly this is one of the best countries in the world. It is just that we have a few kinks that need to be worked out, and that can be worked out. This problem with the education can be solved. This problem of fatherlessness can be solved. It's just that, uh, you know, the country hasn't been exposed to what the real, um, you know, issues are. And I don't think the politicians are helping either. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it is just like, you know, a ripple effect that's going on. So if only we can have a honest, real, raw conversation about this, we can get to the bottom of this issue and we can really solve. Can you imagine when I started this work for five years, 
nobody gave me an opportunity to even go inside the prison, right? Hmm. But I was persistent to go because I knew my why very clearly, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there are so many good people in this country wanting to do the right thing. There's no country in the world that serves the other country like America. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets... You know, involved if there is like a you know hurricane, if there is like a you know tsunami, if there is something that happens across the world, America jumps in. That's because of the good people in this country. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, we just have issues we need to deal with. Yeah, you know, and we're going to always have those, but it, this is encouraging because it it's a it's a method to overcome. Absolutely, you just have to continue to spread the word, and you know that that sounds like that could be part of the tough challenge right absolutely you're going against the stream you're talking about something i'm telling my kids uh, taking anything for free is just like a disgrace or lowers your dignity if only we learn how to not to take things for free from anybody you know i could be just like taking this whole job of like a proverbs two to six full time and get my money off of this and live my life then i would be compromising on my principle and that's why I go to work, take care of my family. I don't want to take a penny out of Proverbs 2 to 6, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is that there is also, not, not that it's a prideful act, but it just gives me uh, a sense of like a direction that I don't need to compromise. Mm-hmm. Love that. I do too, man. We've had a, a, a lot of, of, of successful immigrants that have come on our podcast, that have come from other countries, and I just love their stories because I think like yourself, you understand what a great opportunity you have to be in the United States. And I think there's a lot of people in this country that don't realize that. And um, I just love that you're taking action and, and based on your, your, the history and what happened to you and now looking at it and realizing, hey, this is a lot bigger problem, right. but you can make that happen. And Absolutely. that's just... That's awesome, man. I, I'm I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to follow this. So before we let you go, what is the best way for people to get involved with you? Um, how can they can they donate? Can they volunteer? What what's the best way to learn more about your organization and get in contact with you if they want to help? So Proverbs two to six dot org. Proverbs, uh, it's like in the book of Proverbs cha- uh, chapter twenty two verse six, right? So it's all one word. Proverbs two to six dot org. What, what I need today is like, a, you know, I have kids that are ready to go to school and I'm looking for mentors who can help our kids. We have a virtual, you know, mentoring session so they don't need to actually go even during this COVID time. We have made it easy for them to mentor these kids online. Um, and so that's one of our um, biggest need. And the other um, place where someone who's hearing this can participate is like, uh, you know, if if you are listening to this story anywhere other than the Carolinas, right? And, uh, you know, we are already in North and South Carolina. We are in Texas. We are in South Dakota. Every state that we go in has a reason for us to go in. There is a data that we are trying to break away from, like how we did with, uh, you know, um, South Carolina. So we would want to come and set up these. And we have a blueprint um, playbook that we would partner with anyone. We don't want to do this all by ourselves because we know this is much bigger than what we can handle. So mm-hmm. if there are like-minded organizations across this country wants to do this, we have things 
scripted to say what worked and what did not work. And we'll be happy to work with uh, anyone in this nation to, to share what we know and uh, have this problem addressed across this nation. Our goal is to send one million children to college. I love it. And you're, if you go on to their website, they have some amazing stats. 100% of all Proverbs 226 kids have graduated from high school. 100% of Proverbs 226 mothers have stayed out of prison once they released. Another stat that blows my mind, $300 billion will be sent on incarceration in 2022. And for every five children that go to college instead of prison, that will save over $1 million on that, which is is wild. I, I have a question that I'm going to completely jump sides. I love that stat, but I want to throw this just at you. Yes. Have you been in touch with that family in Australia? No. No. <laughs> we have to make this happen. <laughs> they have to learn that their $35 box did this. Are you kidding me? Like that's the best. So the that's thing. the best story ever. We got to make this happen. I'm going to be. That's going to be my mission. We're connecting the dots. <laughs> the thing is, in those days, there was no computers. Right. You know, and so everything is like a paper track, and there's no way that I could track it back. Oh, you know, man. I tried everything possible. To let them know. Oh, I'm sure man. you did. Yeah. Well, you know what? No data. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and th- and that's that's a cool thing though. That I think that people need to realize, like that that's a true story of of somebody that that helped somebody they had they didn't even know. Right. Um, my brother. I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. My brother's best friend. Um, his house completely flattened in Western Kentucky uh, a couple weeks ago with those tornadoes. And he went out there and helped them and, and set up a GoFundMe. And they've gotten a lot of money that's been, that's been helping them. And a lot of it's from people that they have no idea where it's coming from. Right. They have no clue. Right. And it's so cool to see that. My brother was talking to him this morning about it. And he was kind of getting emotional. He's like, we're getting donations from all over, like London right. and these just crazy places. And it's like... It's just cool to see that, you Correct. know? So right. I don't know. It's amazing. You have there's, an amazing story. There's that's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things, yeah. but you know, the media outlets just don't want to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Correct. Do you, you team know? up with CMPD? Um, to, no, okay. um, because our, our um, you know, um, space that we are working, we started with the South Carolina. Okay. And then um, the, we, the, if you take like a prison system, right, at large, um, there are state prisons and federal prisons. Right? And we work with the state prisons. And uh, when someone gets arrested, they go to jail. But when they get sentenced, they are sent to prison. So we are working with the prison system. And especially within the prison system, they have like a minimum security, medium security, and a max security. So we work with a max security because then you have like a 7 to 20 years of time. Because some of the things that we are talking about is not going to happen instantly. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time. The healing takes time. The, mm-hmm. the, the connection takes time. So it takes 6 to 12 months for them to start to, um, you know, recognize each other's, you know, goodness, right? So you need to stay on course to get this thing. You're, you know, bound to get this family together and you need to stay on this. So we work with prisons, especially on the maximum security prison. So that's why. Love it. Very cool. So the four E's, encourage, engage, educate, and empower. Yes, sir. And that's, your, that's what you guys roll by, and that is absolutely awesome, man. It is. Thank you. I appreciate your work in our community and beyond. You're definitely making a huge impact. Yeah. That's so cool. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, like we always say, if you've been listening, please like, share, follow, Go check out Cyril. Check out Proverbs uh, 226. It's incredible. Or 22 seconds. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm saying 226. It's 
It's you, you got my you got my brain going over here. You know what I mean? But it's been incredible. I really do love your story. This is I say it a lot, but this is why we started this podcast to bring on people like yourself and to be able to share the story and you know hopefully connect the dots and hopefully get people that are encouraged to be able to help you. Uh, but at least hopefully you know people can have those conversations with their friends and you know encourage like right now like. <laughs> If you're a guy in this country, like encourage men to be men, be a dad. Like if you have a child, like you have to take care of that child. Like let's stop this. And it really starts with fathers. And if you're a father and you have a child, you need to take care of it. I don't care. There's no answer. That's it. There it is. So that's what I'm gonna leave it off. Be a dad. Um, But until next time, thank you, Cyril. Thank you so much. Until next time, you've been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.